Thomas Kniff. And he's joining me right now on this happy Veterans Day Friday. Tommy, thank you for your service. Ben, it's, it's, as I always say, it's been a privilege, and uh, it's a privilege to be on the air with you as always, buddy. Good to get to uh, get to connect with you. Well, thank you for saying that. You know how I feel about you. I only wish to God that you had beaten Alvin Bragg, but you know, no one knew who you were. I'm being honest. Uh, you know, I did. Mike Sullivan did, but you know, and you're a war hero, all those things. But I really believe Thomas, as high profile as you are now, defending a guy like Daniel Penny, people becoming more and more aware of what uh, you have done in your lifetime. Much like my friend Tom Sullivan, who you know very well, you're friends with him too. I believe if you run again, you'll have a, leg- a legitimate opportunity to win. So before we get into your military career, are you at the very least seriously considering taking another shot? You know, so I mean, it really doesn't, it, that hasn't crossed my mind, uh, you know, in any real way. And, and a lot of that just really has to do with, you know, since that election, uh, you know, just been so busy with things. You know, I, I was serving on active duty for a while in uh, the, the COVID response here in New York. And then, you know, I got back to my private practice. And, you know, you mentioned Danny's case. And, you know, it, it's a uh, it's a hectic, busy life. I know you understand because you live one, <laughs> too. And, and then you had, had, you know, three little kids in the mix. Oh, and, boy, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a lot. I'm, I worried about, I'm worried about getting through today. No, I know. But uh, when you consider well, we'll never, what. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, when we'll you can, but when you consider, Tom, Tom, when you consider what a horrible, horrible D.A. Alvin Bragg is, whether it's Donald Trump or, or your your client, or Daniel Penny, the, you know, which eventually led to a grand jury. When you consider all that, uh, Thomas, it's got to make you want to try just a little. No, he's so bad at his job. Well, listen, I mean, you know, I, I have <laughs> there's a lot that D.A. Bragg and I do not agree on. Uh, you know, regarding the approach to the criminal justice system and probably never will agree on. And, and that's that's why I, you know, I ran in the first place. It wasn't just a run against him. I mean, I looked at the Democratic field and said, look, you know, I think that this is incredibly, you know, this whole progressive approach to criminal justice is incredibly ill-advised, incredibly wrongheaded. It is going to lead the city into, uh, you know, ruin, uh, or certainly to put it in a very, very bad place. I mean, I, you could, you know, the people that were paying attention to my election, you know, they can find videos I made in, in you know, two, early 2021, you know, saying exactly just that. And then fast forward and, you know, here we are. I, I think it's all, you know, all, all on Alvin Bragg's shoulders. No, absolutely not. There's a lot of people that bought in on this progressivism. Um, you know, but but it, it it is it is putting lives at stake. It has taken lives, and the cruel irony, as I always point out, is the people most victimized by these insane progressive policies are you know the very same people that the progressives at least purport to be championing. You know, people from low income communities, minorities, so forth. They're the ones that nine times out of ten, ninety eight times, ninety eight times out of a hundred are the victims of the lawlessness that, you know, we've been living in the last few years. And that, that's the saddest part, True, in my opinion. No, you're right. So uh, in terms of military service, I had Tom Sullivan on earlier. And uh, Thomas, as you know, served in uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, and Kuwait. Uh, then I mm-hmm. spoke uh, to a young man named uh, Tashi Fleischer. He's an IDF Israeli soldier. He's fought all over the Middle East. Uh, then I spoke to uh, Colonel Jack Jacobs. And he fought, of course, 
in Vietnam. I believe you were in Iraq and Afghanistan, but I could be wrong. Where exactly did you say? I, I was in not Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, and I, I was in Iraq for all, all of 2005. Um, uh, you know, I got there, you know, right in the uh, right in the lead up to the first elections. Uh, so it was it was a very difficult time to be there because that's right when you know the, the, the it was like the, heart, the the height of the IED period and, and all that. Um, but you know it was a hopeful time as well because then you know we had these elections. The Iraqis seemed enthusiastic, and you know there was a lot of optimism. I mean, it ended as it ended, um, but you know. Uh, Look, uh, looking back on it, you know, uh, should we have went? Should we have won? I mean, you know, you could debate that, uh, go back and forth all day. But, you know, the people that were there, the people that I served with were committed to the mission. I, my impression of the Iraqis that I interacted with, I think, some, you know, very, very objective ways. You know, I always talk about, you know, we, when you flew in a, when you fly in a combat zone, uh, you know, you don't, you don't fly in a black hawk at 5,000 feet. You're flying at, you know, 60 feet off the ground yes. because that's the best way to avoid getting shot down. I mean, we would approach power lines and the pilots would have to raise the aircraft to get Jeez. over the power line and drop it back down. You know, and without fail, when we went over, you know, an Iraqi home or past an Iraqi village, you know, they they run out of the homes and just, you know, waving to us with smiles on their face. You know, so I, I do believe that, you know, we were a welcome presence there by, you know, the rank and file Iraqis. Um, no, it didn't seem know. that way. I got to tell you, when they knocked down that big statue of well, Hussein, it know, didn't uh, seem that it, way. It, 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 you know, it, 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 there's certainly, you know, a resistance and, and whether those right rank and file Iraqis were, were able to or were willing to, you know, sort of lay down their lives for freedom, like, you know, the, the, the you know, Western, you know, European American Revolution type mentality. That that's a different story. But I don't think that the average Iraqi, you know, I think on on a lot of levels they believed in what the message was. Um, I, I don't know that they were willing to lay their lives down for it. That that yeah. made the difference. And of course, that the, there was this volatile, um, you know, uh, resistance that that you know, uh, did tremendous amount of damage, not only American forces, but to, to, to Iraq and Iraqis. You know, so that, that was the complexity of the situation. You know, people here, like uh, my former partner Bernard, God rest his soul, he was one of the very, very few that was against the war. I mean, that was a bipartisan decision to go in. You know, we loved George Bush, and they threatened to kill his father, and uh, Saddam Hussein was murdering his own people, and they're the ones who started 9-11. By the way, uh, that was never proven to be true. And uh, people like Bernard would beat his chest, I told you not to do this. And then he would say things like, look, every time we went into one of these places, Saddam Hussein in Iraq, uh, Gaddafi in Libya, those countries ended up worse off. We thought we were killing the bad guys, and another guy would come in and be worse. Any truth uh, to that? Know, it, it, it's interesting you mentioned Bernard Rest of Soul because Razor and I, you know, we, we commissioned in together. We served in the DA's office together under Judge Janine. And, you know, we would actually he, – he was adamantly against going into Iraq before either of us even knew we'd deploy there. And we used to go back and forth, and, and, and I supported it. Because, you know, look, my view is, yeah, of course, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, the intelligence at that time indicated that Saddam Hussein, you know, was, was stockpiling weapons of mass destruction. Turned out probably to be wrong. 
Um, Probably. That was what, that was what <laughs> the availability is. Well, you know, that's what the intelligence says. And, and Saddam Hussein acted like, you know, he, he wanted, you know, like, like the way a mafia boss, or like way Gotti put himself out there as, uh, you know, he, he wanted to, you know, be perceived on the international stage as someone who had these weapons. He didn't really disavow it. Um, you know, obviously, if you know now, if we knew then what we now, I guess, you know, yeah, people would have uh, a lot of people would have thought things, you know, differently. No, I thought he had him, too. I, I would have bet my life he had him, too. But I will say this on the way out, Thomas. Once again, this is attorney Thomas Kniff. He's Daniel Penny's attorney. But before he did that, he served in Iraq. And what a great, great person to have on as we get set to celebrate Veterans Day tomorrow. This is a truly great American. You know, I was talking to Colonel Jack Jacobs. I know you heard it. And um, sure. he admitted uh, that it was a mistake to go into Vietnam. Uh, that didn't deter him when he got there. He went there to kill. And he would make that same decision again tomorrow. When you guys sign up, you sign up for the country, you do what you're told. But he did admit that it was probably a mistake. But uh, he also admits that that was the greatest time of his life, despite almost being killed on a field in Vietnam. Is that true for you? Was that time? And I know you still go back and do stuff with the service, but at least uh, in Iraq, would you consider that uh, as dangerous as it was the time of your life? You know, it, it was a very special time. I mean, look, you know, I am, you know, people thank me for my service all the time. And, you know, to the extent I thank the, gra- I, I accept that gratitude. I, you know, when I have the opportunity, and I guess I'll take it now, I, I accept the gratitude. And, and I think most people who serve accept that gratitude, not not for ourselves, but on behalf of those that didn't serve, that did serve and wound up less fortunate than we did. And arguably, as importantly, the future generations to come, right? You know, we as a country, we need to respect our military, not because someone wants to go out there and respect the Tom Kinnis of the world, but to show that, you know, that, that, that those teenagers that, you know, are, are, you know, maybe vacillating over whether they want to start an OnlyFans account or get hooked on opioids <laughs> yeah, or do right. all the you know, the nonsense that, that I saw a Pentagon study that 77, 77% of American high school students are service unqualified, even if they wanted to join because of, you know, whether it's drugs, mental illness, obesity, right. they couldn't even get in. So you have, we have to send a message as a country, you know, to the, to the, this generation and future generations that, th- that serving in the military is something revered. And I think one of the ways we do that as a country is by honoring our veterans. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.